Good morning, everyone. How are y'all? Boy, it was cold this morning, wasn't it? Gee whiz. I hope none of y'all's uh, pipes froze. You know, one of the, the biggest lies that Satan tells to discourage God's people is that if you would only come to Christ, that, that you would live a trouble-free life. But when chaos comes into your life, many times that we're devastated. We want to ask God, where are you in all of this chaos? And in the last days, Jesus warns us what that's going to look like. So he tells us to, to be on guard. He tells us to, to be alert, be aware. Because in the last days, the false prophets and false teachers will arise out of the chaos. So if you will, will you turn to Matthew chapter 7? Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. This verse is very familiar with y'all that I'm sure. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their spirit, you by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, and it's thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I think too often when we face turbulent times, we want to focus our attention, not on Christ, but the chaos that's often around us. And we want to live in the moment at times, instead of living and thinking of the future and being eternally minded, Christians today are no longer reading their Bibles like they used to. They're no longer living and looking with expectation of one day of Christ returning. And because of that, many people are being deceived by false teachers and false prophets. I want to look at some of these scriptures very closely this morning because Jesus tells us what it's going to look like in the last days. In verse 15, he says that these false teachers, these false prophets, they're going to come to you in sheep's clothing. And that's exactly what Jesus says. He describes them as wolves in sheep's clothing or even ferocious wolves. The thing about a wolf in sheep's clothing is that they often look harmless. Sometimes they're, they're even likable. And because of that, they're able to present themselves in such a way that they're able to fit in with the rest of the flock. Now, they're not there to pastor you. 
They're not there to teach you the Word of God. They're there, not there to help you be what Christ necessarily wants you to be. They're not there to protect you. They're really there to gain power for themselves through their teaching. He goes on to say that likewise every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. The thing about false teachers is that their their fruit doesn't appear immediately. Many times it, it takes years for their fruit not to ripen, but many times just for it to rotten right before your eyes. Now, Jude, in chapter 1, verse 12, he goes on and he talks about what it's going to look like in the latter days. Now, now Jude is a brother of uh, James, half-brother of Jesus. He was not an apostle, but he was an, an early church leader. And so he writes this letter for the purpose of exposing the, the false teachers that had invaded and infiltrated the early church. And, and he reminds them, he encourages them to, to hold fast, to stand firm in the faith, and to fight for the truth of the gospel. And he does this by painting this very vivid picture of what false teachers look like. Listen to what it says. He said, These are the ones who are hidden reefs in your love feast. And when they feast with you without fear, like shepherds carrying only for themselves, clouds without water carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead and uprooted. The Jew describes these false teachers as hidden reefs. Above the service, they, they preach and promise sunny skies and smooth sailing for your life. But beneath the surface, it's a real and present danger that their teaching can actually sink your faith. And so he begins to tell us how serious false teachers can be. He goes on and describes them as clouds without water, meaning they don't have anything substantial really to offer. False teachers are often persuasive speakers. Their words are often inflated. And they're lofty words, and they promise religious or financial blessings for your life. They're like a cloud in the summertime that promises refreshing rain, but all they really produce is just a bunch of wind. They don't always deliver what they promise. He goes on to say they're carried away by winds. And what he's saying here is that these false teachers, they themselves are not grounded in the simple truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their teaching sweeps through churches like destructive wildfires. They're carried away by the winds of others, unbiblical and worldly philosophies. They often say that they have a new teaching. They call it a new revelation. They say things like, well, God told me. God gave me a, a fresh revelation. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the early days, that God spoke to his people through the prophets. 
And in the last days that God spoke to his people through his son, Jesus. I will tell you that if you've never heard a teaching like that before, it's probably because God never said it. And so we have to be careful of what we follow, what we, we listen to. He goes on to say that they're like autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead and uprooted. Now, in the wintertime, there are no leaves on trees. And there's certainly no expectation of fruit. But oftentimes, false teacher will, will focus on being busy, doing things, lots of activity going on, but there's no spiritual fruit produced by it. And so the question this morning is not whether you've ever heard false teaching. You probably have. The question is, can you discern the difference? That's the question. Can you discern the difference? If you can't identify false teaching, it's probably because you're falling for it in some way. You say, well, Bill, how do false teachers infiltrate the church, the body of Christ? Theological wolves deceive their way into churches and theological circles. They don't come teaching what they really believe. Because if they did, it would alert the mature believers and it would scare the young believers. And so they take scriptures out of context. They twist and they spin the message, the gospel, the word to suit the audience that's in front of them. And that's what Paul begins to talk about in 2 Timothy. And so, if you will, turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 4, 1 through 8. Now, 2 Timothy was written by Paul. It's his second imprisonment. Paul knows that soon his life is going to be over. And so, he writes to his dear friend, his, his co-worker, Timothy. And to remind him to, Timothy, remain faithful to the gospel that you initially received. He tells them as time progresses that people will begin to follow false doctrine taught by false teacher. Teachers, listen to what it says. I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and they will turn their ear away from the truth and they will turn aside to miss but as for you use restraint in all things endure hardship do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come I have fought the good fight I've finished the course I've kept the faith in the future there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day and not only to me but also those who loved his appearing you know one of Satan's greatest ambassadors 
is not pimps, politicians, or power brokers. It's pastors who stand in pulpits, just like this one, and preach a perverted gospel to the masses. It's unfortunate that's the way it's going, but in the last days, he said, this is what will happen. You know, in the last days, I think false teaching has spread through what I call, and you've heard it called this, the seeker-friendly church movement. Now, I want to say before I go any further that we believe that every church should be loving and welcoming, should be warm, but never, ever compromise the gospel. Never compromise the gospel. The seeker-friendly movement, the church, is often more interested in creating crowds than they are of making disciples of Christ. And so church services focus on creating this welcoming environment. And they're specially designed, oftentimes so they're entertaining and, and they're fun. Oftentimes, these churches, seeker-friendly churches, they place a high value on worship music. Many times, they worship the worship music. And when the crowd responds in a positive way to the music, or in a big way, they say, oh, the Holy Spirit showed up when many times... I think it's nothing more than a a well-placed keyboard change. He goes on to say that they won't tolerate sound doctrine. And what I mean by that is what they often do is they'll repackage this gospel in a more palatable way. It's carefully crafted so you're not going to be offended. It removes the controversial topics like homosexuality, adultery, gossiping, lying, and cheating. See, it's not always what's preached that makes them false. It's what they don't preach that can make them false as well. They go on and they preach what we call a watered-down gospel. It's watered and it's, and it's dumbed down because they believe that the Sunday service should be understandable to believers. And so the message, when they're crafted, they're purposefully pitched underhanded. That's what they do. They call it putting the cookies on the low shelf. It's not that the message or the teaching is too high for them. The problem is that they're spiritually dead and they can't understand yet the Word of God. He says they go on, they say they're they're wanting to have their ears tickled. Many false teachers preach an empty gospel to a packed-out church. It's a cotton candy theology. It has no power to, to change a life whatsoever. It's a feel-good gospel. It leaves you feeling good, but still lost. It says that they will accumulate for themselves. Teachers in accordance with their own desires. And so the message is often man-centered. It minimizes the works in the name of Jesus. And it magnifies man and his gifts. It teaches that mankind is, is basically good. He's basically good. 
and that God needs man to fulfill his agenda on earth. It's a false gospel that leaves out repentance. It's a false gospel that leaves out turning from sin. There's normally no mention of living a holy life before God and and others. A false teacher, he is not going to help you find the narrow road. He's not going to take you to the narrow gate. He's not going to do that. He's not going to tell you about the hard road of life. And he's not going to help you find that, that small crowd that's on its way to life instead. He's going to take you to the broad gate. And he's going to show you the easy road. He's going to show you the easy road. And he's going to try to convince you that because you're part of a large crowd on Sundays, that you're safe. Not because of your choice of Christ, but because your choice of churches. You say, well, Bill, how do they get away with it? How can that be? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it tells us. It says, but I'm afraid that as the servant deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. If one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles, but even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, everywhere we have made this evident to you in all things. And so Paul was writing to this church in Corinth. It's an up-and-coming city. It's, it's known for its finer things in life. And he knows that these Corinthians are attracted to false teachers and false prophets. And here's the thing about the early church in Corinth. They despised, many of them despised this image that Paul brought of Jesus. The one who was humble. The one who was meek because they saw it as a sign of weakness. This another Jesus that he was concerned about them preaching was one who had not endured any suffering. It was a Jesus that didn't have to suffer humiliation. A Jesus that didn't have to suffer death for you and me. But it was a Jesus that could not and cannot save. And so Paul said others will come preaching another Jesus or another gospel. You know, it's not enough to simply believe in Jesus. You got to believe in the right Jesus. And that's what Paul was trying to say. See, false teachers, they don't mind Jesus. They don't mind him as a biblical or even a historical figure. But they do mind. They do mind him as Jesus the Christ, the holy anointed one of God who has supremacy over the earth, over the heavens, and over your life. He says they go on to say that they'll stray away from the simplicity and purity of devotion in Christ. And his concern was that 
they would eventually be led astray. It was never intended that being a Christ follower would be difficult to grasp. You do not need a degree in Bible to finish your race. Oftentimes a false teacher will leave you feeling like you still just don't have everything that you need. Or you need just a little more information out of that type of teaching has created Christian conference junkies. Many times you won't find them in churches, but you'll find them in Christian seminars trying to get a little bit more information. And the way they do that is they preach a crossless Christ. They'll preach a crossless Christ. There is no mention of Jesus' suffering, of what it took to bring you and to bring me to redemption. There's usually no mention of that. If the blood of Christ is preached, it's considered barbaric. They don't want to they don't want to hear it. They even have a label for those types of preachers who preach the blood of Christ and they call them slaughterhouse preachers. That's what they call them. They stray away from the simplicity and the simple truth of the gospel that man is a sinner and he needs a savior. And Jesus alone meets that need. They hate this poor man's gospel. It's a poor man's gospel that he really does need to be born again. They say, you don't, you don't need to be born again. You, you just need a little help so you can be the best version of yourself and then you can live your best life. But that's not the gospel of the scriptures. There's a fellow we know. He was asked, why is it that you don't preach about sin? His answer was, well, I think basically all people are just good people. And people already know that they're sinning. And so I just don't feel a need to beat up on them. I want to tell you, no, they're not. We're not basically good people. And we oftentimes don't know that we're sinning. Ask someone, is this a sin that you're, you're in a homosexual relationship? Nope. No. There are lots out there who are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's another gospel. And he goes on to say this, this is, after all that, that you bear this beautifully. This is not a compliment. Paul is not complimenting them. Paul said the reason that there's chaos in the world, it's not because there's an increase of wickedness, but a decrease of righteousness and the willingness, the willingness to confront false teaching. That's why he's there. He's basically saying, if you look at the world as full of chaos, it's because you're putting up with it. You're putting up with false teaching. You say, well, Bill, how do I know if I'm listening to false teaching? Let's see. Ask yourself, does this teaching make me feel better 
about my sin. Oftentimes, a, a false teacher, like I said, will take scriptures out of context. They'll either add to or take away. Oh, yeah, many times they'll, they'll start with sound doctrine. But even a broken clock is accurate twice a day, isn't it? It really is. False teachers are identified by their motives. Do they ever use their position or their titles to control you? Many times, that's what they do. You'll hear these types of slogans, touch not the hair of thine anointed. That has nothing to do with calling out false teachers. It has nothing to do with that at all. Many times, people say they're a prophet of God, and they're not. But they often are out for profit. They're often out for profit. Does their doctrine come from the scriptures again? They'll, they'll often take these things out of context. Does this scripture teach us to look to the scriptures for everything? In all problems of our life that we need, do they always point to the scripture? Or is it a lot of times just their opinion or maybe even their philosophy? Is it a gospel without repentance? Is it a gospel that, that doesn't talk about holy living? There is no expectation that's required of a Christian. Or is it a sloppy grace? Oh, now I'm saved. Jesus paid it all. Now I can live however I want to. Does it abandon the teachings of Jesus? Does the teaching abandon the early teachings of the church leaders like gathering together? There's this movement that's going around in churches, even in our community, that people are leaving the church and just staying home. And they're watching television instead of coming to a group of people of gathering where they're forced to love one another. They're forced to, to bear one another, forgive one another, and serve one another. Does this person's teaching match their life? Jesus said, many people will come in my name. But they won't manifest his character. See, a lot of times, like I said, they're not just false because of what they teach. They're also false sometimes by the way that they live. And oftentimes, the way they live undermines the gospel that they preach. Does it diminish Christ's authority over every area of your life? Does this teaching elevate? Does it exalt Christ's supremacy over your life? Or does it somehow still leave you in charge and, and Christ is your co-pilot? Is that what it does? Or does it emphasize how wonderful your gifts and your talents are? Or does it emphasize how wonderful the gift of Jesus is in your life? That's one way to know. You know, one of the greatest defense against false teaching is being part of a community of believers 
that enjoys, loves, and lives the Word of God before you and holds its leaders accountable. And that they first know that they too are a sheep with a shepherd. And they only know themselves secondly as leaders. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, you say, well, but how do I keep Christ in all this chaos that's going on? Listen to what it says in 13 through 17. It says, but we ought to give thanks to God for you always, brothers loved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruit for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and the belief in truth. To this end, he has called you through our gospel to possess the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers, stand firm. Hold fast to the traditions that you were taught, either by an oral statement or by a letter of ours. May our Lord Jesus himself, God of our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement, and good hope through grace. Encourage your heart. Strengthen them in every good deed and word. You know, in the midst of chaos, it's so easy to get sidetracked by the secondary and the superficial. And I want to say the way that that does not happen is that you always make the main thing the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. That's how that, how that happens. And so you can't rely on someone else to send you a devotion. You can't rely on someone else to teach you what the Word of God says. You've got to do much of that yourself. You can't follow someone else's Facebook faith. You have to read the Word of God for yourself. And listen, anything, any teaching that does not make Jesus Christ the center of that teaching is more than likely false teaching because the entire Bible from start to finish is about Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm the truth. You know, many times I think when we're in the midst of chaos, we have a tendency to think that chaos is the evidence that God is absent. And that's not true. Oftentimes in my own life, it's where I've seen God work the most. It's where I've seen Him for me. But I know that, that chaos is also an opportunity for you and I when, we, when we're in the middle of it is to meet the God of peace. And so if you're this, here this morning, one, if, if, if you don't know Jesus of the Scriptures, the one that died for you, the one that came and, and He walked upon this earth and He died at the hands of sinful man and that He was buried and that He rose on the third day and today He sits at the right hand of God. That's the Jesus that can save you. That's the Jesus that will help you finish the race. Any other Jesus won't do that. You can't trust any Jesus. It has to be the right Jesus. You're facing chaos in your personal life. Go to the Word. Because there's where you're going to find Jesus. You're going to find out who the truth is, not what the truth is. When you find out who the truth is, you'll find out what the truth is. 
And so, Father, we thank you for protecting our, our hearts and our minds from false teachers. Lord, help us to be alert, to be aware, to be on guard of who we follow, what we listen to, what we allow, Lord, into our mind, which eventually makes it to our spirit. And so, Father, we thank you for just loving us, enduring with us. And Lord, help us to never be afraid, Lord, to confront false teaching, but in a a loving way. Because, Lord, souls are at stake. So, Lord, help us to see, remove the blinders, God, that we would see the truth of your word. And do it in such a, a loving way that people see Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen.